All right, Lisa. So I woke up this morning and had a great uh, conversation with my dad over our coffee. Now, mind you, my dad is four hours away. <laughs> so we either hop on FaceTime or hop on the phone and we talk about a few things. And usually now that he's 100% retired, he's the one telling me about the news stories of the day, the week, the month, et cetera. But today I got to tell him about a story that he had not heard of yet. Um, a story that's actually pretty sad in which a, a 21 year old woman played in a pickup game at a park against a family friend of hers. Um, and apparently the gentleman lost the game, took his children, family members home, came back to the park and allegedly shot her five times dead. And when I read this story, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I literally gasped when I read the story and I was telling my dad about it and he was so frustrated and talked to me about, you know, the very first thing he came up with, this is just male pride and ego flat out. And I had to stop and kind of think about it. Yes, I mourn the death of someone so unnecessarily, but also what's the dynamics around this thing? You know, we're systems thinkers here, Lisa. So, you know, what are the systems? I'm thinking, of course, this is in a sport context. This is gender. This is race, because apparently it was a, a African-American female and African-American male. And Oh, I was fired up about it, Lisa. Let me just put it that way. And so was my dad as we fleshed it out. So please help me to process this thing because it's a mess. That's a lot. And I don't necessarily have a response at this moment in time. So let's take a breath and let's talk more about it. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. Want to get more out of your rides this fall? Any old device can track distance, time, and pace, but how about the ability to see upcoming hills or points of interest along your route? The Hammerhead Kauru 2 helps you find your path forward and unlock your full potential on every ride. For a limited time, our listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Hammerhead Kauru 2. Visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code UNFAZED at the checkout to get yours today. I just think it's so cool that we have our own promo code, right? Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. The Kauru 2's touchscreen display is intuitive, responsive, and in full color. So your navigation experience is more like a smartphone than a GPS device. You'll see your data more clearly than ever, even in rugged conditions, since the screen is scratch resistant with anti-glare and water droplet rejection. And I will say, Shauna, that touchscreen is really responsive when I've used it, so I've been pretty oh. Awesome. Hammerhead's Caro 2 was named Bicycling Magazine Editor's Choice in GPS Cycling Computers for the past two years and continues to collect accolades throughout the sport. This is an exclusive limited time offer only for our podcast listeners. So don't forget to use promo code UNFAZED. That's a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Cairo 2. Go to hammerhead.io, add both items to your cart and use promo code UNFAZED today. Yeah. 
I may be the first, but I know I won't be the last. Create a little club, do something. Just do something that's, if it's not there already, create it. Be the leader. If you can knock down that barrier and be the first, it makes it a lot easier for other people to come through without having to go through a lot of those things. Is women supporting women. So we not only have to support each other, but we have to decide that we're gonna choose solidarity and act on it. The Outspoken Women in Endurance Sports Summit brings women together to build connections, increase and sustain women's leadership in the industry, and drive forward equity and inclusion. In the past, we focused on women in triathlon, but this year, we are expanding our scope and including all endurance sports with a key focus on business. Learn strategies to help you grow your own business, ways to build your influence and career in the endurance industry, and leave with a network of other women committed to helping you succeed. Join us at the Outspoken Summit from November 11th to November 13th in Tempe, Arizona. Visit OutspokenSummit.com or click the link in the show notes for more information and get your ticket today. That's OutspokenSummit.com. The Outspoken Summit. Build your brand, grow your influence, drive your impact. It's race season in the Northern Hemisphere, and that means hard races, hard training sessions, and sore muscles are guaranteed. Luckily, the new Muscle and Mind Soak from TryHard effectively reduces muscle soreness while soothing dry and cracked skin. It provides an anti-stress remedy to fully relax and maximize recovery, leading to higher performance. The Epsom Dead Sea Salts in the Muscle and Mind Soak encourage the absorption of magnesium into the body to reduce muscle cramps, swelling, and joint tightness. It will also help you wind down and relax. So go ahead and use code STAYFEISTY20 for 20% off at tryhard.co. That's STAYFEISTY20 for 20% off at tryhard.co. So Lisa, I know that usually on this podcast, we don't necessarily talk often about basketball. <laughs> We're talking about nope. triathlon, <laughs> running, et cetera, you know. Um, but hey, look, no no sport is off limits around these parts. Um, but yeah, I was just floored by this entire story. And it made me start to think about, you know, this is in a sport context. Is this about sportsmanship, sportspersonship? What, what is this about, really? It just seems like a lot of dynamics that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know necessarily what it's about. I mean, I think we're here, we're going to speculate, right? And it's probably, even if the speculation is ultimately a little off, I think it's a good avenue for a conversation for this podcast. To your dad's point about male pride and ego, you know, all the women listening to this are likely very, very familiar with the ways in which men can react to losing to women and the terminology that exists. Um, that is less than friendly or supportive of women's athletic achievement. I mean, I was watching the uh, Ironman World Championship this past weekend. I did not get to watch the women's race, but I did get to watch some of the men's. And in the new Ironman, 
platform um, where you can watch everything that's happening. You know, they have the chat and there was one person who I'm almost certain was a dude, but, you know, granted, I don't know that for sure, made some comment about Lucy Charles not being championship material because she always chokes, right? And that's not... um, necessarily the same as the scenario that you're describing right but it's it's of the same root right it's the same rot that is we get to uh, make disparaging and harmful and unsupportive comments about women because women have less value than men they are less fast than men they have less strength than men and therefore Instead of lifting up the fact that Lucy Charles Barkley came second for the fourth time, which certainly is probably pretty damn frustrating, but she had that fracture, right? And she didn't even think she was going to be on the start line. And she was able to hold off Anne Hogg for that entire race, which um, I think is pretty amazing. Like that isn't acknowledged, Mm -hmm. right? She just quote unquote choked. Mm and so the mm-hmm. obviously the story you're sharing and you talked about with your dad is is an extreme, but it's all a gradient of misogyny, mm-hmm. right? And how mm-hmm. misogyny exists in sport and that it's mm-hmm. okay to hate on women. And mm-hmm. God forbid a woman beats a man because that's that's like humiliating, right? How could that oh, possibly yeah. happen? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you're reminding me of a couple of things. So shout out to uh, Kelly O'Mara and triathlonish because I read her, uh, I think it was the second uh, Kona recap uh, that she sent out via her newsletter just this morning. And she mentioned that Lisa around, um, it's a shame that you have a full day of women racing, but you don't have a full wa- a full roster of women commentators on the women's race. That is Right, a rooted right. problem right there. Um, excuse me, let me tap my microphone. Hello, if you would like to invite me and Dr. Ingerfield to come be commentators for next yes. year, if you have two days for women, we will show up with bells on. Can I speak for you, Lisa, for two seconds? You absolutely ah. can, yes, yes. Happy um, to so join you in that one. Happy to, happy to. Um, so that that's just a um, shameless plug there. But Kelly is bringing up a great point that, of course, we're going to get those comments when there are not any women that are commentating on women. So, you know, I think that's the first piece of it. And then I think, you know, another thing that you're that we kind of have talked about a little bit is that, you know, we're not saying that violence men against men hasn't happened over sport. But what we are saying is that it seems to be that we have almost a perfect storm going on because we know that violence against women is so apparent in this country. Lisa, I know that you are the go-to person on that piece, but I I just want to bring that up too, that it just seems very glossed over. And Lisa, you and I can go to the studies that specifically talk about violence against women of color, missing women of color usually is underreported. And so just the mere fact that this story even got to us, because I'm sure there are other stories that did not get to us, it it frightens me quite a bit, quite a bit, because it seems so acceptable, you know? So there's a lot to this. Yeah. And I think that your point is really important to underscore violence against women is already an epidemic, but then we layer in the context of sport where you have, um, you know, it's, it's operating primarily on the binary still. And we have been acculturated to believe that men are stronger and faster and that they should always win against women. 
And so then you throw in that ego piece, that pride piece, that misogyny, and um, you end up with a situation where men like try to beat women, even when they're, they're not as good. Right. Which is kind of funny. Like I've definitely had men try to race me in the pool um, because they can't possibly be behind me, which always makes me laugh. And I know that I'm not alone in that experience. Like I remember I was at Ironman Boulder 70.3 one year and I wasn't racing it. I was actually volunteering, but I cycled to the aid station. I had a big old backpack on. So I was clearly not in the race. And yeah, I was passing some people on the bike and this one guy like wouldn't let me pass him, you know? And it was just, it was so obviously that he did not want me to come past him. Like he thought that I was overtaking him because I was, I don't know, like it was just hilarious because he was peddling his heart out. And I'm like, I am not racing. I'm just rolling along here to get to the aid station. So, you know, you're going to blow it all up in this first few miles because you don't want to be passed by a woman that's not even in the race. Then, okay, you go ahead and do that. Um, So, yeah. And well, you know, it just, that's incredible. Yeah. And so then you, so you wrap that all up together. Right. And I guess I am sadly not surprised that the extreme, right. Take that package to the extreme then leads to men's violence against women because a woman beat a man. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and you know, okay. So thank you for, for bringing up that word extreme, because that does help me to kind of think through how things start out seemingly small and then get bigger. So I'm thinking, for example, you know, I still have hope in the youth. I really do, um, because I just sat there on Saturday night and watched a bunch of um, flag football games under the it's called the Under the Light series here in Maryland. uh, That's primarily sponsored by Under Armour. And there are lots of little girls out there playing flag football. That's my first point, which I think is so stellar. And I've witnessed one girl run in several touchdowns last night. Um, I'm grateful that that's going on because on a micro level, you're now grooming boys and men, boys to be men who are not personally offended by a woman's presence or her success from jump. So I really love that piece. Um, And then the other piece, too, is that you know, when we get to the adults now, it's those, you know, we say microaggressions. I have a friend of mine who's really encouraging me not to say micro in front of it anymore, just aggressions, um, is that it starts smaller and then it graduates. So Lisa, you're reminding me there was a point in time, this was pre-pandemic, the many, many, many times uh, Daniela Reef was uh, just blowing everybody away on the bike. And this was, you know, one of the previously normal years where, you know, the men started first and then the women pros started after them. Um, And I remember the camera people being so frustrated because, of course, you had the camera folks on the men's pros but then you had Daniela Reef that was so fast in the women that she was starting to catch up with the men and they didn't have any cameras on the women's lead. And so I kept looking at the, the coverage because this was like one of the first few years that it was being covered on Facebook Live. And so I'm trying to see what in the world is going on. And they kept saying, you know, this is this looks like the number two women's pro. And I'm like, but she's leading the whole race. Yeah, because you didn't think that a woman would be fast, yep. if not faster yep. than the men. So now you're not covering the number mm-hmm. one pro woman. 
Mm-hmm. And so it starts with those little digs like that, that ends up graduating into something larger that could possibly end up being violence. And so, you know, not to over-exaggerate the point, but Lisa, you and I see those digs against women constantly when it comes to our presence, pro age group, doesn't matter what level, they they happen constantly. And that, that coverage yeah. or lack of coverage of Daniela mm-hmm. that year was really clear to me, very clear. And how often yeah. does that happen on a regular? Yeah. And across all different sports. Right. And you're actually reminding me, I don't remember what year this was. It may mm-hmm. have been Lucy Charles Barkley's first year, but she, she beat pro men out of the swim. I think it might have been her and Lauren Brandon and yes. the commentators missed it. They missed it completely. Like, because oh, they came Lord. out minutes ahead of some of the, like the main pro pack for the men. Yeah. And it was like an afterthought. Oh shit. Did we just, who yeah. was that? That's a pro yeah. woman. Right. So it's the same stuff. And I, it's um it's like lavender to purple right you know like yes. you're, you have these yeah these light yes. what are often considered benign slights or digs and then as you start that shade starts to get richer and darker yes. and yes. more towards purple you start to end up mm-hmm. um with these more extreme manifestations but you can't get to purple without lavender Right. Like if that's you're looking right. on that spectrum, you have to go through lavender. Right. So that's part of the that's massive right. problem. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and, you know, the problem, uh, you know, we Lisa, we are good at pointing out problems and, and I'm still trying to work on the solutions to this one in particular, because I know this is, you know, the egregious form of violence. And we're sitting here where we have one less woman athlete on the earth right now. That's extremely frustrating to me. But then, you know, how do we continue to bring this to the fore when it comes to people that don't believe it's happening. And so, you know, I was looking, I I follow Lily Zhang quite a bit, y'all. If you have not followed Lily, um, Lily goes by they, them. Follow Lily on LinkedIn. Lily is dropping the book relatively soon. I think they just received um, the author's copy, but their posts are enough to chew on for months and months to come. And this week in particular, Lily dropped a post that talked about how usually as DEI folks, social justice folks, we usually point out the deficiency. You know, well, Lisa doesn't have this because she is a woman or Shauna doesn't have this because she is black and a woman or whoever doesn't have. And Lily flipped the script on that in their post by saying, Instead of pointing out and re-traumatizing the people that are already oppressed or in lack, why not point out the people who have and demonstrate to them how what they have is not common? So, you know, as a pro male athlete at Ironman World Championships in Kona that you will probably (laughs) be on camera and be tracked the majority of the race, especially if you're in the top five, probably top 10. As a woman, we can't assume that. Lisa could be burning it up as number one rookie first-timer at Kona, and there is the possibility that Shauna will not see her face until she crosses the finish line, right? So bringing it up to the men or male allies or, or female allies that men have always had this and they can assume that they're going to have it while others cannot is what Lily is bringing up. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. to assume, like, let's bring in the whole basketball conversation. Men, nine times out of 10, can assume 
that they can lose a basketball pickup game and still go home alive tonight. Based on this young lady's story, women cannot assume right. Right. that if they win a game that they won't, that they can go home tonight in one piece. And so it's the that whole affirmative piece of what do you have? Like, I can assume that I can walk up five stories to uh, an office in a building because I'm able-bodied. I can assume that as a affirmative. That's not the case for everyone. And so I need to remind myself of that. Right. And so right. the, those are the types of affirmatives that Lily's talking about. And I think we need to bring them up in sport all the time. The affirmative of there will be a box on the damn race form to fill out that accurately describes you because you're considered in comparison to our non-binary athletes that may not have that. Like just bringing up that affirmative piece that may help some, but I'm, I'm going to start rotating that into my practice here because I don't do that mm -hmm. enough. I usually speak to the, the lack versus the affirmative. Yeah. So, okay. So then like sliding in the issue of race here. So the perpetrator in this crime is an African-American man. And we know that that is likely going to conjure commentary that is rooted or, or steeped in stereotype about the angry black man. But so then the narrative becomes racialized as a means to sidestep perhaps the more primary issue, which is gender. And for mm. white men who are likely equally as angry, right, and equally mm. likely to flip out on a, a basketball court, um, they're, they're rarely described that way. So it enables... Mm -hmm. white mm -hmm. men to sidestep the negative influences of masculinity or toxic masculinity in a way that African-American men or other men of color cannot, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. is that an example of what you're suggesting? Yeah, I, I think so. And here's the other piece that I'm thinking about, Lisa, that I hadn't thought about before this, is that angry black male stereotypes usually lean in the direction of violence. Whereas okay. I'm not sure I can say that for, if we thought about the average angry white male, I'm not sure it would go the, to, mm. to the degree of purple right. that you were mentioning of right. violence. Right. Yeah. You're angry. Yeah. You're, you know, Mac and Rowan, you're going to throw your, you know, you're going to throw your racket down and break it. But to the point of taking someone's life, that's a different yeah. shade of purple. Yeah. Yeah. And so that might be happening. Right. But we're just mm -hmm. not hearing about it because white yeah. male anger is passion like McEnroe. I mean, sure, he has been parodied for those outbursts on the tennis court, but it was never. um he was never judged in the same way that say Serena Williams was. And we've had that right. conversation before, but that's he right. is certainly um, that was a display of anger, but it was labeled passion. He just passion. really cares about the game. Right. Whereas if he were a black man, it would mm -hmm. be more likely that his anger or, or passion is interpreted as dangerous. That's and right. so that's I right. think, you know, and I, and I think it's a product of, it's a product of gender, of our gender socialization mm -hmm. around masculinity and what it means to be in charge and in control, particularly in the sport mm. context. And when we fold in, we racialize it, when white people racialize it, it enables them, the white people, to not mm -hmm. have a conversation about gender. 
right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, such a good and, Well, and I'm, I'm still trying to get my mind wrapped around it too, because so let's let's think of, let's go back to the intersection of race and gender on masculinity. So, you know, we can think of the McEnroe's, we can think of the, you know, the person that's now of interest in this particular murder of this woman, a white male can throw his racket, have a hissy fit, and it might rarely come to mind that they would resort to violence within their own race, especially outside of their race, me, right? But a black man can be sitting on a park bench smiling in your face and he's seen as being dangerous just because he's breathing. And so to me, I I think that's another construct too, is that blackness, black maleness being a ruler for violence, whereas white maleness is usually, I would say not a ruler of violence, especially against people within their own race. Now, against Black people, brown people, that's a different conversation. But the instance that happened in Dallas was actually within the Black race. So given that, I think that's another nuance, too, that I'm still kind of wrestling with. But I'm not going to just assume that an angry white man is going to go home, think about it, come back, get a gun out, and shoot someone. And let's add another layer, Lisa. And... If the white man does it, what's the first thing that we we resort to? A mental health issue. He was provoked in some way. Yeah. 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 I mean, gosh, the um, there's so many problems with this, right? And I think that we need to be careful, the royal we, in um, over-racializing violence in the context of sport Mm. because Mm -hmm. I think that it is how we construct gender and gendered behaviors in the context of sport that is more salient in this issue. I'm not saying race doesn't play Ooh. a part at all because yeah, 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 yeah. the construction of black masculinity and white masculinity, that intersection does matter. But yeah. his being beaten by a woman, that's misogyny, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. gender. That's at mm-hmm. play right there. The desire to solve that problem with violence is gender. And mm. how many conversations mm-hmm. are we going to see in the media that call that out, right? Mm-hmm. That don't, that either just don't, they're going to be the ones that just don't mention race and gender, or they're going to be the ones that kind of fall on these tired old um, stereotypes related to black masculinity. But n- mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see commentary that really delves into the fact that at root here is that a man was beaten by a woman and that is not acceptable because women cannot be better than men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look, what, what hit me about what you just said was the, the solving piece. Like there, there has to be some form of, let me resolve this, that because I'm imagining as a black male, because I feel like I lost some of my masculinity on the basketball court, I have to solve that by going home, getting a firearm and reclaiming my masculinity, my black male masculinity by taking your life. So I resolve it with violence. Whereas 
the resolution may be different based on different intersections of identity, but that seems to be the case here. And, you know, I, I don't know how, Lisa, would you formulate this as all this is going on, the misogyny is going on, the, the violence, uh, the solution of violence is going on and the sport context magnified it? Uh, yeah that because yeah. because because sport is so predicated on the gender binary and our mm. kind of cultural understanding of capability in the sport context is so gendered yeah. rightly yeah. or wrongly right yeah that yeah. then it's different to be maybe like in an academic context outsmarted by a woman although that's still probably that definitely still brings up misogynistic issues but in a sports context where Sport is often about how, you know, has been kind of devised to celebrate men's prowess. So then to lose to a woman that's weaker, the weaker sex, right? Like, mm-hmm. I do think you're right. I think the fact that it happened on a basketball court magnified those those issues. Mm-hmm. Well, it, think, think about it in what you were just mentioning about, you know, you're on your bike, minding your own business with a backpack, you're not in the race and someone is in their feelings, a man is in their feelings, but you, because you happen to be passing by him, not passing him in a race. You know, the mere fact that in the cycling world and especially in the triathlon world, we have the language, the language of being chicked in a race. Because yeah, yeah. you are a guy that's being passed by a woman as if being passed by a woman is not very normal and just as normal as being passed right, by a man. Right, right. The mere fact that we have terminology to describe it tells us that there's someone uncomfortable with it. Because we as women, last time I checked, I may be wrong, we as women don't have a specific word to describe being passed by a man on, on any course. Right, because that's normal, right? That's totally normal. Yeah. Hello. Exactly. Yeah. That might be why they don't announce themselves either when they're passing. But let me stop being petty. Okay, I'll leave that alone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we on this podcast feel that words mean a lot and they construct things. And so the yeah, the presence of that word tells me a whole lot about what yeah. is deemed as normal. Mm-hmm. When, I hate that phrase. I hate yeah. that phrase. Yeah. I know some yeah. women like it, but I cannot stand it. I think it's so demeaning and I am not, yeah. well, I hate the term chick for a woman anyway, because I am not yeah. a fluffy yellow baby. Right. And so like by yeah. even cause the t- chick is a baby, right? So it's the same as like right. infantilizing women. And so that infantilizing women by calling them girls happens all the time. And so the chick is still a version of that. And you're also kind of dehumanizing me because you're saying I am a bird, right? And in the UK, the term bird is used for women, right? I don't think oh. I don't I don't hear mm-hmm. that here as much. So I don't think it's as um as prevalent, although mm-hmm. not that I move in circles where people might be using the term bird, but um yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, so mm-hmm. if I dehumanize you, it makes it easier for me to do violence against you. Right. Even if that mm-hmm. violence is verbal versus physical. So that's mm-hmm. what's happening there. And that's all mm-hmm. predicated on this hierarchy of who should be winning in sport. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Because I look, I just got nosy really quickly and I pulled up a couple of dictionaries. Urban dictionary always cracks me up. But let me tell you what they say about chicked. The definition of chicked for urban dictionary says 
when a woman outperforms a man in a physical activity, such as biking, hiking, or skiing, where normally, emphasis on normally, a man should outperform the woman. Who should outperform? Oh, that is interesting. And like, and hiking, how did hiking get to be in that definition? That seems like a really odd item to include in that. Exactly. And I mean, I realized that a lot of women, uh, there's one organization where women have kind of reclaimed the term um, as an organization and women's empowerment organization. Okay, that's fine. Do your thing. I'm just saying I'm not going to use it because I'm like, "Mm, not going to reinforce that terminology or make people think that it's acceptable for anybody to use. So meh, I'm not using it. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you read that definition because it really does demonstrate to your earlier point that there's not an equivalent for when um, a man passes a woman or a man beats a, a, a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be a label for it. There doesn't need to be some ha-ha funny way to describe it because that's the normal way of things. And that happens, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's running or hiking, still weird, right? Biking, mm-hmm. swimming, triathlon, whatever, um, it's so deeply entrenched that normalcy around who should be winning when we break it down Mm -hmm. by gender that Mm -hmm. kids grow up, male kids grow up believing it, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, we don't have time to go into this and I don't have the research in front of me, but we know Mm -hmm. that the high numbers of young girls who drop out of sport, you know, as they hit their teen years because that's not acceptable whereas mm-hmm. you know boys participation in sports either stays the same or accelerates right because that's more yeah. acceptable so the fact mm-hmm. that you went to a flag football game and you saw young girls playing um is really um heartening to me and mm-hmm. that it is meaning that young boys are going to see girls as equally capable mm-hmm. from a very early age because that makes a huge difference absolutely Absolutely. It changes everything and and what's normal. You know, that that whole definition of being chipped and the normally where men should dominate and women should not. Well, I love that the youth get to really define what's normal now. So, all right, Lisa, we are uh, we're, we're deep in this thing today. So I think maybe we should go ahead and get into our hell yeah or hell no, nah because we had a whole lot going on after Kona. Okay. I mean, just my head is still spinning. So let's get into it. Hell yeah. Hell no. Nah. So Lisa, look, we, we cannot uh, be complacent in giving major props to Chelsea Sodaro, who, how many records were broken? <laughs> like there, there's too many to count, but uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, I, everybody in my triathlon world knows that um, Marinda Carfrey is my fave of the fave. Um, but let me tell you, Chelsea was hitting it. Okay. First rookie since 2007 uh, to win and first U uh, S American since 1996, which I think is just fascinating that she did all of this 18 months after giving birth. Um, And as we all know, in order to go to most folks, in order to go to Kona, you have to have won a previous Ironman to qualify. So the fact that you finished two irons and managed your baby and family, et cetera, um, I think is just really phenomenal. And Lisa, I think I just 
squealed um, when I listened to her post-race interview where some of the first things that she talked about was even as, especially as a pro, how difficult it was to continue to, um, you know, give her daughter, uh, her name is Sky, uh, her daughter, the attention that she needed to, thanking her dad for being her SAG on her bike rides, thanking her mom for uh, babysitting the baby while she's training and just that being top of mind as she wins, I thought was really profound and, and really said something. So mm-hmm. I appreciated that uh, post-race interview because I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, frankly, I don't even have to imagine. I know what it feels like when you're not a pro and you don't have anybody else paying the bills and you got a full-time job and you got small ones and you still want to train and race. So good job, Chelsea. Uh, well done. Congratulations. And we're just uh, excited to continue to watch your, your career blossom. Fantastic. You know, it makes oh me wonder, this is a little an aside. Um, yes. When men who are new dads win races like this, do they thank their uh, partners for looking after their kids and and enabling them to do all that racing. Does that happen at the same rate that women tend to do it? I don't have an answer for that. I feel like my gut says no, but mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I would probably mm-hmm. have to do more research because I'm sure it does happen, but I would imagine at a lower rate. Like it's the mm-hmm. expectation that, you know, and we've talked about this a thousand times that the woman looks after the kids, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. all right. That yeah. was an aside. You just made me think of it. But our hell nah for this week is that um, the Denver Nuggets has a mascot named Rocky. And apparently this mascot is paid $645,000 a year to prance around in a outfit, which I think he's a lion, but don't quote me on that because I, while I live in Denver, I do not pay attention um, at games, right? I mean, sure, I'm, that sounds like really hard work, but, you know, easily worth $645,000 a year. As it turns out, um, the top WNBA player, whose name is Diana Tarasi, she is a three times WNBA champion and a five times Olympic gold medalist, five times Olympic gold medalist. She is paid the highest in the WNBA, and it is $226,000 a year. She earns, um, or rather, Mm -hmm. Rocky, the mascot, earns nearly three times as much as the top WNBA player that has all of those accolades. Mm -hmm. And that is a big up hell nah, you know? And I don't want to necessarily ruin Rocky's pay here, but if... uh, freaking person who's mm-hmm. likely a dude in a yellow furry outfit bouncing around mm-hmm. a basketball court can earn 645000 then the top WNBA player should for sure be earning more than that. So look, let me tell up, you. Hell not. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I look, thank you for making me curious enough to even look it up. So the Denver Nuggets mascot is a mountain lion. Not that that should make any difference, but it is a mountain lion. And what I just read was, <laughs> all right, just hold in your mind, Lisa, how much we make per hour with terminal degrees as consultants. Rocky makes seven fifty an hour. Oh my gosh. Shut up. I mean, literally so- he jumps up and down for an hour and gets $750. 
Exactly. Exactly. So look, it's, and I just found this one, top five highest paid NBA mascots. So Rocky the Mountain Lion, then Harry the Hawk with Atlanta Hawks makes 600K a year. Benny the Bull, Chicago Bulls, 400K. Go the Gorilla with the Phoenix Suns, 200K. And then Hugo the Hornet uh, with Charlotte Hornets is paid 100K. So yeah, you know how long I had to work in higher ed to uh, even make the fifth on this list? Uh, girl, no. That, wow. That's, oof. I'm yeah. done. I just made myself mad all over again. Yeah, yeah. that's a huge it hell not on. cool. Yeah, so. Not okay. Not okay. Um, oh, oh Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. I love the meal recommendations that come with the analysis. It prompted me to add salmon into my meal rotations, and I am loving it. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty, and then use the code feisty at checkout. Whether you're competing in a triathlon or swimming to challenge yourself, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. For 15% off all items at orca.com, use the code IRONWOMEN15. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Millie Perry. Email us at info at umphasepodcast.com and find us on social media at Try to Defy, at Dr. Gold Speaks, or at Outspoken Women and Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time. <laughs>